Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Spartan Speak, a podcast from the Lansing State Journal and Detroit Free Press focused on Michigan State sports. I'm Phil Friend, your host and producer. Joining me this week are two sports writers who plan to share the $700 million Powerball drawing this week after they win. It is Detroit Free Press beat writer Chris Solari and Lansing State Journal sports columnist Graham Couch. Chris, let me start with you. It's Michigan week. How are you doing on this Wednesday? You holding up all right? Just fine? Yeah, um, just let me know when I need to buy my Powerball ticket by, and I will make sure you guys are well taken care of with a $20 tip. <laughs> well, $20 is better than $0. That's the uh, ultimate spin zone. I think you have until 9 or 10 o'clock tonight, depending on where you buy it from, if, you, yeah, if, you, if you're really oh, curious. You, you've just, you've just bumped your tip to $25. Yeah, because <laughs> the drawing's at 11, and uh, it's one to two hours before that, depending on where you buy it from. Anyway, Graham, how are you? Good. Well, and I play the same numbers most most weeks because not because I think I'm going to win, but it's for peace of mind. Because if those numbers ever hit and I didn't play it, I couldn't live with myself. So I uh, have to play uh, somewhat uh, somewhat regularly. Yes. No, yes. I've had an interesting day. I um I I, I goofed initially. I was uh, supposed to speak to a uh, group of high school journalism students at the um, big association thing down at the Lansing Center today. And um, at 10 after 9, sitting on my recliner in a pair of basketball shorts and a T-shirt working on a column, I got a text that said, where are you? Uh-oh. And uh, I thought it was tomorrow. So I threw on an Irish cap and some slacks. And 10 minutes later, I was in front of a room of 300 people with zero preparation. So that's how my morning started. And I tell you what, <laughs> if you ever need to wake yourself up, go from zero to 60 like that in 10 minutes. It is better than any coffee I've ever had. Holy smokes. All day I've been wired. Just wait. Have kids and then be running behind in the morning for school. You'll, that's, it's, it's much more common the older you get to do that. <laughs> so were you just on a Zoom or did you, have to go, did you have to go there? No, I had to be there. Luckily, I live five minutes from downtown. My wife got in the car. She dropped me off. And I made myself as presentable as I could and, and, and winged it. So, oh, um, that's, the, that's the Graham Couch way, though, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, and the whole thing was about what being a sports reporter is like. So I got to explain that moment to people. Uh, <laughs> that me. Uh, speaking of winging it, uh, that might be what the Michigan State football team tries to do this week as they attempt to beat the Michigan Wolverines for the third straight season. It's still pretty funny to me to just say that all the time, especially considering uh, how much uh, underdogs the Spartans have been in all these games, especially two years ago. But uh, guys. I just kind of want to get your opinions. How are you feeling about Michigan Week? Uh, to me, it seems like the the online vitriol between the two uh, sides sides sorry soccer term my bad uh, has is less than in previous years. But also, I might just be successfully avoiding it more. Chris, how how are things on on your end? How how are you kind of viewing viewing everything? Yes, Phil, you're completely in your own bubble. Now. <laughs> you're Good. in. 
Your yes. new job has you in a complete oblivion. Hell yeah. To, and let's be clear here. We are now on about day 11 yes. of, of Michigan week. So, uh, it is, um, let's, let's get to, let's get to Saturday. Let's get to kickoff. Um, that's kind of my thought. Um, because the extra hype in, in between, I mean, Maybe if it was last year, it would be a little more interesting. Um, it, it really seems like both sides are beating the exact same drums for the last 11 days about the exact same talking points. And that's it, it reminds me a lot of that the years when the Super Bowl has the extra week in between. It should never happen. Um, the 2023 schedule came out uh, today, Wednesday. And thankfully, neither of the teams have a bye before they meet uh in in 2023 so that's a good thing because it keeps it in more of a natural flow but i i think that you know everything that that we knew about these two teams coming out of the games uh two saturdays ago um it's just been kind of on pause and you know i I think that both sides have tried not to talk too much trash but you know there's been some things here or there that that whether it be manufactured uh, frustration from players and fan bases or real, um, they don't need it. They don't need it at this point. They've been they've been itching to play this game uh, for two weeks now, and uh, it's going to be kind of a, a an interesting thing to see how these two teams come out of the tunnel and, and play in those first couple drives because I think that's going to set the tone. Yeah, I agree with Chris that we're we're, we're definitely in the get on with it stage. You know, I, I don't think there's a a ton of trash talk coming from the, the actual teams. I think it's coming from former players and, you know, fan bases. And um, I think the players understand that, you know, I think Michigan's players are confident as they should be. I think they've got, you know, they're a focus group that is determined to win this. I mean, this has been all the reporting out of the, the Michigan campus. This has been a real dialed in uh, focus for them since last year's game. And when that happens with, you know, um, 22-year-olds and 21-year-olds and 20-year-olds, that often means you get a good performance and you get a, you get a win. And and um, and I think they know they don't have a lot to boast about until they actually do it. And for Michigan State side, I mean, what do you – you're three and four, right? You've had some real struggles. There's a chance things go really wrong. So I don't think you want to be overly uh, boastful either. I think what's interesting is the fan bases, which – it's natural. This this is a triggering event for everybody on, on, on both sides, and it brings out all the old uh, all the old deals for people, of, especially of a certain age. But it is weird to see Michigan State fans boast about a team that's three and four like this, or or, or get out there and be too confident. And it's it's also bizarre for a Michigan team that's you know had this rivalry flip the way it is for so long, and and at best been uh, even for a little while now and, and for really for 10 of 14 years, but on the wrong end and for two straight under Mel Tucker, it's just weird to hear that side of things come out overly aggressively confident because we've seen this game not play out that way, even when it was supposed to. And, and frankly, even if Michigan wins, it's that's what's supposed to happen this year. It doesn't definitively say anything. Now I think that's why Michigan fans, and I think for Michigan for this to really feel satisfying they're going to have to inflict some pain. I think anything less is won't feel that way just because 
you, you can only it's the only way to really say even if you can't make up for the last two years the last 14 years it's a way to at least say in the here and now there is definite separation what's interesting to me you mentioned about how how close it's been i mean obviously we know the michigan state's won 10 of the last 14 i was just in the middle of writing something yesterday um and looking up some stuff on xavier henderson and realized he was born in the summer of 99 so he was born before the uh the msu win that year so i kind of looked at it and since 99 and this that's basically about the age of the guys who would be seniors right now in that 23 year old range um since 1999 Michigan State's been favored six times, but Michigan State has a 12 and 11 lead, 12 to 11 lead in games in that. So it's it's in some ways it's not just uh, that 10 of 14. It's that it's been competitive for the most part. I mean, there have been games that have been blowouts in there. There's no question about that. The 2002 game comes to mind. Uh, a couple at the end of the D'Antonio era. The one in particular, uh, I think that it was the 19 game. Uh, that, that went sideways and it was 44 to 10. But um, this this has been, and, and even all the way back to when Michigan State got into the Big Ten in 53, it's been a very close series. And a lot of these games have been decided by one or two scores. I don't necessarily know that's going to happen this time. But I think when I talk about them coming out and how they're playing, if you see a Michigan State team that's punching up and doing the things that you've seen some of those those MSU teams, I think like the 93 game, um, maybe the 95 game, and, and some of those other games where they were prohibitive underdogs come out and start hitting hard. And, you know, basically what you're saying Michigan needs to do, if they're preventing Michigan from doing that, then I think you have, you know, a game that could go into that second half as, as being a good game. But it's going to be hard because of where the deficiencies are for Michigan State, particularly on the offensive side. Yeah, it is a um, yeah, it is an interesting rivalry because you think about it. If you're 25 years old or under, you really don't know anything else. Yeah, but sort of Michigan State having uh, a pretty even place in this, and, and you may have grown up in a household that knows a different way, so you were sort of indoctrinated a different way. But uh, and, and if you're it, it, when you when you think about 1999, we're talking about, you know, people who are, um, you know, under 35, really. And so, the, the, although that still goes, I think the, the, the 30 and 8 stretch goes to like 2007. So, I mean, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, and that's really the stretch of modern football that I think, you know, set the tone for how things are considered or, or, or over time for this rivalry and, and sort of some of the behaviors and, and, sort of the tone of things. But, um, I, you know, I, I it, it's a fascinating game in this sense to me. I, I agree with you, Chris. Like, there are things where I can see, like, I would believe almost anything. If you told me Michigan, which has been waiting for this for a year, practicing for two weeks, dominates the line of scrimmage, things get wildly out of hand, and it winds up being like, you know, 58 to 7. I would believe you if you told me that, you know what, with Jacob Slade and the 4-3 defense and Jacoby Winmont and linebacker and, and Xavier Henderson back there and the offense a little healthier, that this thing wound up being a one-score game headed into the fourth quarter and, and really a game that wasn't decided till late, 
I would believe you as well. And and that's I, I think the only thing I wouldn't believe is a Michigan State win rather easily. Completely agree with you on that. I think I, I think those those all are are scenarios that you could make a case for any of those things. I don't necessarily know if you can make a case for like you said, Michigan State putting up fifty and and running away with it. I don't think I think that's I think there's a point in, in minuscule like point oh 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 one percent chance of that. This is either going to be a good close game that Michigan State's in. Um, and they have to be in to win it, um, or it could be a close game and they lose it, or it could be from the get-go, uh, kind of like that 2019 game where it goes sideways in a hurry. My question for both of you guys would be this. like, What is the minimum number of points? Like, What's the least amount of points you think Michigan State has a chance to hold Michigan to? Therefore, the minimum amount of points they're going to need to win this game. Like, To me, I, I cannot picture a scenario – in which Michigan doesn't score 34, 35 points. And and so in that regard, it it also the question is, does Michigan State's offense have enough juice? And and maybe they do, but um to itself get up there. Like even last week against Wisconsin, you know, you can look at the final score in the thirties, but that was overtime that did that, you know. So right. um, you know, even with a healthy um a healthy Jaden Reed, and you know, I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball as well as they did last week. Maybe they'll be able to run it enough to create some forced balance. But the real question then is, can Michigan State put up enough points to make this a game at the end? Do you, what's the what, but what's the number for you guys? You think is realistic? Twenty-seven. You think they can hold Michigan to twenty-seven? <laughs> no, I think that's the number that they need to hold Michigan to. I yeah. Think, okay. I think I think Michigan State could put up four touchdowns. Um, yeah. I I don't think their kicking game is good enough to get into a game where you need to win on a field goal, first of all. Um, I, I think, or even, you know, tie it on a field goal. I think they're, that that part of their game right now isn't going to be great and, and it probably isn't going to be the one that, that ends up winning the game. Of course, watch now that that ends up happening since I said that. But <laughs> I think this is a game where they, if they can put up four touchdowns, which again, I'm not sure they can do that. Let's let's be clear about this. This is hypothetical situations. I think if Michigan State can put up four touchdowns, and they need to hold Michigan to, to 27, um, but I don't think they can hold. I don't think that Michigan will score below that. Um, I think Michigan will be able to eclipse that pretty easily. Uh, but again, when you when you change some defensive philosophies over the last few weeks, and there's not a lot of tape. Uh, for for Jim Harbaugh and his staff to kind of figure out what Michigan State's doing differently in the four three versus the four two five, um, it it's plausible. Again, I think plausible's plausible and possible are two different words in this right now. I, I think you could see a scenario where it could happen. I don't necessarily see that scenario happening. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think we're just going to need to see a Michigan State completely retooled defense that somehow on this particular day finds a way to click. I think they're going to need – I like the 27 that Chris said, and I also think on top of that they're going to need a defensive score. So, you know, somewhere in the 30s yeah. for them to uh, to have a chance. But No, I was going to say, like, I, I agree. Like, I think whether it's a defensive score or a extremely short field created that's essentially a defensive score, and, and also 
I would or, argue, or that, or a punt return or kickoff return with Jaden Reed, because that even more those momentum that, plays like that. Like, what do you think? Like, I I would argue that they've got to win the turnover battle by minimum two to be have a chance in this game. But depends. I think you, you, they could win it by one if it's the only turnover and it's going the other direction. Right. Yeah, but it's a pick six. Yeah. But even I mean, so, I don't know that that's enough. Like I mean, I mean, we, we to, saw that happen look, to Penn State. Penn State had you know a pick six off a defensive lineman, and um, you know that I, I don't. You know, I, I think this is a game where the, you, we're talking. They're going to need. They're going to need. They might need the pick six and another turnover in their favor. Uh, and if they don't have a pick six, they're going to need three turnover. You know what I mean? Like they're going to need a lot to go their way. Oh, absolutely. I think, but I think if you look at, I mean, Mel Tucker brought up the 2020 game a little bit um, this week, talking about how they went down there after turning the ball over seven times at Rutgers or against Rutgers in his debut at home, go to Michigan prohibitive, I think 24 and a half point underdogs. And they played perfect football. They did not turn the ball over at all. If you, if you do that, you know, you, you have a chance to win. If it's if it's a if it's a wash and nobody's turning the ball over, um, you know, I, I think you've got a chance. I think if you if Michigan State gets one turnover in that type of scenario and doesn't turn it over, I think they got a better chance. Um, but you know, th- this this offense has been prone to that, particularly Peyton Thorne throwing an interception here or there, trying to force some things. You know, whether it be um, you know with not without having a run game, which I think is as you said and alluded to, that's that's critical for this team to try and win something, get something in the run game, win some win some positioning, and like they did against Wisconsin. I, th- I mean, it was it was a game it w- against Wisconsin where they they like you said the forced balance, which I think was a great way to put it. It, it was forced balance, and they had to keep an eye on the run game. I don't know if it gets to at this point. I, I think, you know, particularly if, they, if it, like I said, if they come out early, Michigan puts up, like a lot of the teams have this year on Michigan State, puts up early scores. The de- the defense is struggling. They, they And if I'm Michigan, I take the approach that Minnesota did and try and just squelch them out, you know, five, six, seven-minute drives. Give Michigan State's offense all the time in the world on the sideline. So when you get out there, your defense is fresh and you can shut them down three and out or – you know, four or five play drives that are minute and 10 seconds and then they punt. Um, you know, if that starts happening, I, I, you know, there, there's no, there's not going to be forced balance again. You're not going to have the opportunity for forced balance because you're going to have Peyton Thorne trying to throw the ball back to get them back into the game. Yeah, I think I'm a little more optimistic than both of you, but that's only because I've just seen what's happened in the past five games. Uh it feels like every preview podcast we've had since uh, I came on that the 2017 game was my first one. Of course, that was the 17, 14. I think it was Michigan state win in the, in the rain. Um, I think we've just always thought that not only was Michigan going to win, but perhaps handily in at least three or four of those. And all of a sudden that has not been the case as Michigan state has won three of the last five games. So, this is really the only rival, a true rivalry where I think we can just throw the records out. And that's, and I'm just talking in recent years where Michigan State has won some games that have surprised all of us. So I just, I just tend to keep a more open mind and, and just seem to think like, I'm still scarred from 2020. Like you, like you brought up quest when it was like uh, Michigan was 24 point under 24 point favorites. And all of a sudden, I mean, it t- turned out that Joe Milton wasn't, wasn't that guy that people thought he was perhaps, but it's just like, you really, you really, you have to just wait for the 
what's going to happen and some unpredictable things are going to happen. And I don't know how to quantify that, I guess is kind of the way I'm trying to say that. And and, and I think what, what gets tricky here is, uh, you know, and that, that 2020 game was weird because right. As the season started late, they're playing a yeah. week two. Michigan state has this awful day against Rutgers. No and fans then, in the stands. Yep. And, and then Michigan had that big win against Minnesota who had a horrible year that year. Nobody knew what they were looking at yet. That week two can often be the most, uh, the one that, that screws you the most a little bit. Um, and so, and I've been, I've picked this series wrong quite a bit. Like I've picked Michigan to win seven straight years now, and I've been wrong on four of those. So I obviously don't always have a great feel for it either. And people see my other predictions are well aware. Right. I actually Can't picked like up. I, I, I picked MSU in a close game last year. I just it just popped up. I picked a twenty-seven twenty-four, but I also had Matt Coglin winning it on a field goal. But I think like I think Michigan was a better team last year, um, and or a better roster, I should say overall. Now, uh, Kenneth Walker, and you know, was obviously is part of that roster and would maybe disagree. Um, I, I think the roster is still I mean, up front. I think Michigan is as good as they've been since I've been covering this, these games as, I mean, this is a certainly as good as anybody since the Lloyd Carr era, you know? Um, and I think Michigan state, which has been so good against, like you think about 2018, that's the year where they've got no healthy quarterback. They're just hanging in there and it's like seven, seven at the end of the third quarter, right. Or late third quarter. You know, that that team defensively was so good, and what they could do is they could just take away the run. There have been Michigan State teams that we covered, Chris, where I, I would think that they could absolutely take away the run or have a chance to limit the run no matter how good Michigan was up front. I just don't know that this is one of those teams. That said, I think where the unpredictability is, is we've seen one week back with Jacob Slade, and we've seen the trickle-down that has on the rest of that interior line, and the, the, the real question is, how much better are they? Like, how much better does he make them? Everybody looks at the Penn State game, and yeah, that was abysmal. But Michigan State is not Penn State. Michigan State may be better at stopping the run than Penn State is in certain matchups. That game may be the most promising thing that happened to Michigan State's bowl chances because you look at Penn State and you go, well, wait a second. Maybe Michigan State can hang there. So, um, I think there are some things that make it tricky to know exactly what we're looking at because this isn't the Michigan State team of three or four weeks ago. The only frame of reference we have with a healthy Jaden Reed, a healthy Jacob Slater, to some degree healthy, a uh, playing Jake uh, Slade and a playing uh, Xavier Henderson went a lot better for Michigan State. So we don't know exactly what we're going to get. It's funny you mentioned that 2018 game because I think that, I mean, yeah, Michigan State was in that game, but I'm just looking at it right now. Michigan had the ball for 41 minutes in that game, and Michigan State had it for 18:57. That was an incredible defense. It was, and uh, and Michigan State had 94 yards in that game and 15 yards on the ground. I mean, and still, Michigan only won 21 to seven because of a couple missteps in coverage by Trey Person. I mean, that was it, it's unbelievable that they were that close in that game without having the ball for that long. So it tells you, you know. It, to borrow a phrase from from the ghost of the past, stats are for losers, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, there's no reason that, that looking at those things, 94 total yards of offense, giving up the ball to the other team's offense for 41 minutes that you should have lost by two touchdowns yeah. at home, but they did. So, I mean, 
there's sometimes some inexplicable things that can happen in this rivalry. Um, but I think that 2018 Michigan State defense was a lot different an animal than this Michigan State defense. But that said, to, to your point, I think the one thing that this defense can do well is stop the run. And we've seen it in a number of goal line situations where they've gone heavy, um, where they've used that. And I, I think that's partly why, you know, that in talking about the 4 3 that they played against Wisconsin and sounds like in, in if you read the tea leaves a little bit, there'll be a lot of it with this to match Michigan's heavy personnel with two tight ends. Um, you know, that that could be one thing, but it's going to be interesting to see if if they're trying to sell Michigan on, you know, bait them into, well, you, you, you've got the great run game, you know, let's go head to head and see if we can do it. Or if Jim Harbaugh just takes the smarter route and just says, now nah, forget it, we're going to throw it over the top on you guys because you guys still can't stop the pass, which which I don't think J.J. McCarthy's had the chance to do, really, in quality competition. No, that's that's the thing, right? I, I think more than anything, you are selling out here to, uh, to stop the run and, and forcing J.J. McCarthy to beat you. And if he does, you tip your cat. Because yeah. I don't I, – he, he has not been is on point you know, I mean, that's not been what they've done, and they're they're while meanwhile their their running game and their offensive line looks like a bunch of maulers and and is just a group that is uh, and maulers makes it sound like they're guys who aren't like NFL prospect like this. No, it makes it sound like they're they're from Pittsburgh in 1983 with Mike Rozier and the right. USFL. Yeah, I'm I mean, sorry, you, you hit my soft spot here. I'm a big Pittsburgh Maulers. Yeah, the USFL reference. I did not have that on my scorecard today. <laughs> but and it, it's a great line for the the two running backs Michigan has too, because they're speed guys and and they're they're fantastic. But they're not, you know, the um, it, it, it just works what they have going. And and you gotta you gotta prevent that. And if you get beat by the thing they haven't proven they can do a ton, then so be it. You know, like you walk out of there. Having lost, but lost logically, <laughs> and I, I think that's okay. And nobody, you're not going to feel great about it, but you will have put your best foot forward. Uh, if you go in there and you get run over, that that just that, that's a tougher to stomach, and that may be what happens anyway. But uh, you got to do everything you can to make that not be how you lose. Well, here's a here's one that that I think you know. Speaking of logic or lack thereof. Um, on my end here, you know, let's throw another hypothetical out there, right? Um, what did Michigan do really well against Michigan State in that game last year? Well, they threw they threw the ball really well. I know Anthony had two touchdowns and should have had a third. If he was <laughs> there was an overthrow by about like a yard, just flew over his hands barely. So yeah, right. And and and, and who was throwing that ball? Well, it was Shea Patterson mostly? Well, not Shea Patterson. Uh, no, Cade McNamara. Cade McNamara mostly. <laughs> Cade McNamara. So you know, I asked Harlan Barnett. You know how much you know seeing McCarthy last year in in a couple different drives, how much that maybe helps them prepare for this year, and he brought up the interesting point that you kind of have to prepare for both of the guys. I mean, McNamara threw for three eighty three last year against this this secondary which really has been a problem this year and he's proven he's he, he that's a proven commodity right there so you got two weeks if you really want to i guess turn things upside down if you're jim harbaugh would you start Cade mcnamara 
Oh, there's a zero percent chance of that. I think I think they're all I, in on JJ. I think so. I think so too. But it but it's pretty it's pretty clear that that is at least in the back of Michigan State's mind. Or they view this as a get right game for JJ McCarthy's passing, where they see what other quarterbacks have done to Michigan State's DBs, and they're like, "This is the time we let them loose." I don't know. So that's what I, I guess that's what I think of that hypothetical. <laughs> this right here is the reason you don't have an extra week between this game, a week off for both of these teams, because these are the scenarios you can come up with. You could literally come up with these scenarios. I mean, seriously, like the only team that came to McNamara didn't beat last year was Michigan State. Yeah. The last Big Ten team to beat Michigan was Michigan State. I kind of like how we've come full circle here. We went from listing all these ways that <laughs> all these specifics that Michigan State was going to need to do to all of a sudden we're not like, well, you know, what? Michigan State can actually win this thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if we're or, really saying that, or, or at least we're listing. Okay, we're we're listing more hypotheticals maybe, toward toward that. Maybe it's toward that spectrum. Maybe it's just the eleven days in between games. Yeah, I think that's probably the case. I floored Graham. Graham is completely silent on this one. I know. <laughs> but what happened? I mean, I, I would, you know, I think about what, what year was it that that Duffy uh, against Michigan broke out the the option and and beat him? Was it sixty nine? The sixty nine game, I think maybe. You know, no one prepared for it, and all of a sudden they haven't used it all year, and boom, they they hit Michigan with it and beat them as a surprise. Run the year. Yeah, I think it was that that was I think sixty nine, which was was Duffy's last win against. Michigan. If you know the history, you know that something like that has been done before. Is it going to happen? Probably. I again, infinitesimal numbers. Uh, but, but uh, you know, c- coaches sometimes can outthink themselves. You know, so who knows? But it's clearly, it's clearly in the back. Uh, Harlan Barnett, in particular, who we talked to on Tuesday, was the one who meant. You know, I had that conversation with, and he, he said that you know they have to prepare for both. And, Kind of interesting to even think about that, but I don't think that – I think because you, you have to do it because the guy threw for nearly 400 yards on you a year ago, and he's still there on the roster. Well, Michael Penix threw for a bunch of yards in two previous occasions, and they didn't clearly think about that enough heading into the <laughs> into the Washington game uh, this year. So maybe maybe you're on to something there. But uh, if, we're, if we're listing hypotheticals, which of uh, these two do you think is more likely? Your scenario where uh, Mel Tucker and Jay Johnson install like – a new type of offense, like when the Dolphins busted out the Wildcat all those years ago against the uh, Patriots and surprised them with like a thirty to nothing win, or Peyton Thorne matches Brian Lewerke's five for twenty five performance in the aforementioned two thousand eighteen game. Well, I don't know if I ever said that they're going to break out a different kind of offense. I was talking about Michigan switching quarterbacks just yeah. to to get back the mode. Well, you talked about Michigan State in sixty nine doing something different, so that's what made me think of that. I mean, it's possible. I mean, uh, the question is how healthy is Peyton Thorne? You know, because that was one of the things with the worky in that game. That's that's where he finally admitted that his shoulder was bothering him, and he had the issues there. Um, you know, whether that was, you know, revisionist history in some ways or whether it was legitimate concerns, I think we saw it play out down the rest of that season that it, it, he wasn't nearly the kind of quarterback he had been. But um, I, I do think that Peyton Thorne's health – kind of is one thing that can you look at and you say, well, geez, what, you know, is he able to get out and run? Because there was a, there was a stealthy play that he had a couple of stealthy plays in that Wisconsin game where he got out and ran. I think there was a long third down that he ran and converted uh, on the move, you know, try got out of the pocket, 
realized he had room to run and then took off for it. And that's probably the best he's looked all season. Um, so is he able to be a facet in the run game more so than he has been the first seven weeks? That's, I think, something that needs to be kind of kind of wonder. I mean, is he, you know, he said he's feeling healthy now, you know, after the week off, but what's, what's a week off? How much, how much does that allow him to maybe turn the corner on those RPOs or, you know, become more of a straight runner? I don't know, but you know, I, you know, I, I think there's the truth will probably lie somewhere in the middle of that. I don't necessarily know. I don't think he's going to be the worky bad, from that that Michigan game, uh, but how they use him, I don't know. I mean, because that could be the key to to forcing Michigan to adjust to some things. And Michigan's done a good job of adjusting on, on things too. I mean, look at that Penn State game, how they pulled away in the second half. I mean, so I I wouldn't um, I wouldn't even say that even if they did come out with something different, that all that matters is the offensive linemen are the same. You're using six guys. And they're struggling at the point of attack. So if that doesn't somehow change, I don't think it doesn't matter what else you do with the offense. Graham, what do you think uh, we should see or what we will see from the Michigan State offense on Saturday? Yeah, it's interesting because I don't think, you know, you don't want to, um, you know, you don't hold anything back. What are you saving it for at this point, right? So, and you find probably you have your full complement of guys and so all the, you know, one of the things before the year that I really thought we were going to get more of is more creativity with the tight ends. And, and, you know, you see what you're able to do a little bit, Daniel Barker and Malik Carr, like more of that stuff, you know? Um, and then the, the real question is, is can they get the running game respected enough to where they're able to really take advantage of what I think is their best advantage in the Big Ten, which is their weapons on the outside, which is Jaden Reed, which is Keon Coleman, and maybe those tight ends and things like that. But I, um, so, but I do think you'll see some trickeration. I do think you'll see um, them try to, but also really force the running game as long as they can. You know, the thing that happened in the Ohio State game is you're so far behind that that gets taken out a little bit. But, uh, you know, you got to, if you in there, you got to keep running the football yeah, no, I think this is a game where, you know, you, you've got to use those guys on the outside and, and you need the running game to um, to do it. You need the running game. You need Michigan to respect it enough to be able to, you know, have the protection you need for Peyton Thorne to give those guys a shot to have the game you think they can. And then you need Jaden Reed or somebody to have a day. You know, like, this is a game where guys' legends are made. I mean, right, like, Plaxico Burress there are a lot of people of a certain ilk that can still say 10 catches, 255 yards in that 99 game. Like he was a great player at Michigan state, but that's the game that people remember. Right. And, and so does Jaden Reed elevate himself with a game like that? Kenneth Walker had it last year. People will never forget those five touchdowns. Can, is Jaden Reed the guy, does Michigan state have a dude who's just a problem, no matter who they're playing can elevate, uh, and, and can that be Jaden Reed? And can Peyton Thorne have the game? That, you know, they need that sort of thing to happen. Um, and uh, we'll see. Have you guys uh, had a chance to rewatch last year's game recently? I did earlier this weekend. Man, what a what a game! What an environment! Uh, Gus Johnson just absolutely in his bag 
for that entire second half as, as part of Michigan State's comeback. It's it's really a sight to see. And just seeing Kenneth Walker, you know, run wild like that, you know, get the Heisman call prediction from Gus Johnson and then not uh not even get an invite uh, is hilarious and hilarious and sad upon itself. But uh, he, Graham, you kind of touch upon this. You just watch him kind of walk around wild like that. Boy, really nice for the Spartans. If you know, one of those running backs, Bessard or Berger, you know, or even Elijah Collins decided, Hey, this is the day I'm going to make myself a hero. And I think, I think Michigan state's going to need that if, if they're going to win on Saturday. I don't think you're wrong. Um, but I don't, I don't know that they, the problem is, yeah, Xavier Henderson said it before the year, and I sort of brought it up to him this week again. You know that they'd go as far as their offensive line could take them, and he said that unprompted. Yeah. When your safety brings that up unprompted about the offensive line, it's like, hmm, okay. And I think he knew then that that might be an issue. I think it still is an issue. I don't know that, and maybe you know, you go with a kind of zone blocking schemes, you find something, you. you you're able to seal the edge and get outside a little bit. Maybe there are some things you can do, but I do not think they are going to win uh, down in and down out, you know, uh, in the trenches up front. And they haven't most of the year and, and certainly not against this Michigan team. If they do, that changes everything. There's just not there's not a baseline comparison for that, though, with this group. I mean, they've gone, no. like I said, they've gone six deep. It's not like it, they've had all those struggles running the ball during that losing streak. And it wasn't like there were younger guys coming in ready to kind of be like, okay, these guys aren't getting it done. Let's get these guys some snaps and see if we can get find something. There's there's a gap. There's there's clearly enough of a gap that you got to roll with the six guys you got, and they got to be playing at a higher level than they've played individually and collectively all year um, against a really good front. So I mean, it's it's tough sledding. To, to say the least, uh, I, I think, you know, I, what I do think you need to do is, you know, you need to find something to replicate it if you can't, whether it be thorn in the run game, whether it be quick passes, using the tight ends, because uh, that, I think, would soften some things up. But I don't know how much it would work. I mean, I, I, if you're Michigan, pretty much, you know that if you if you stop the run, you've seen what this offense does. You saw what Minnesota did in stopping the run with this team. And, you know, that's where it could end up being, you know, kind of a redo of, of what the the Minnesota game was like, or even that, even that 2018 Michigan game, like we were talking about. All right. Uh, you guys have any final thoughts on everything or you do want to move, do you want to move on to predictions here? I, you know, I, I just think it's, it's, it's time for the game, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I think Michigan state, what we saw against Wisconsin is like, I don't know how much better than that is their ceiling this year. And so I think that's probably the greatest concern. If they play the perfect game, you know, is there a scenario where this is competitive? Yeah. If Michigan screws some things up, yeah. But I don't think it's entirely up to Michigan State, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I understand, Willie. It's going <laughs> to, they're going to need, and when Michigan makes those mistakes, if they do, they've got to capitalize on every single one. There's no no margin for error. I definitely agree yeah. with that. This this needs to be as close to a perfect football game as Michigan State's played under Mel Tucker. I don't think there's any secret. Yeah, last year's game, like you mentioned, the 2020 game was pretty perfect. Last year's game was far from perfect. They just had the guys last yeah. year to, 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 to come back and, and round yeah. and win. Absolutely. And, I mean, you know, we know that this Michigan team's good. 
um, unlike the 2020 team that they had that that ended up four, two and four, and the two and five Michigan State team that was that was two teams that I don't want to say they were good or bad because I think <clears throat> the circumstances were definitely not the the optimal to judge that uh, on either of those groups, but their record and their the way they played uh, in that truncated season wasn't good. Um, but you see this this Michigan team what one Big Ten loss in the last two years, and that was the Michigan State. Um, can it happen again? I mean, can, I mean, can Tucker go three in a row? I mean, I guess like Graham said, let's let's get to Saturday already. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's I don't think it's possible. Um, in, in fact, all empirical data say it's pretty much impossible. But we've seen in this rivalry, impossible things happen. Yep. Graham, what is your prediction for Saturday? Your official prediction? Yeah, I think I'm going with um, 42 to 14. And, um, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I think it could actually be worse than that. I think it could obviously be better than that. So I think Michigan covers the spread. Uh, and I think it's one of those games. I mean, Michigan State's got some players on offense. I don't think Michigan State fully healthy with Reed fully healthy uh, is not going to f- – Fine, and, and Michigan doesn't have the, the the pass rushers they had a year ago. I, I think Michigan State will find the end zone uh, a couple times, and maybe one of them is garbage time late. But I think they're they're they'll get there. Um, the the defensively, I, I just I I just think Michigan's going to have great success, and they do run the ball, it shortens the game, and and so maybe it's not you know it's not like Ohio State where it's just quick strike, quick strike, quick strike. But uh, I, I I think Michigan will be in in firm control from a, a, a fairly, you know, uh, by the second quarter. And, and, uh, and I, I just think they're, they got a better roster right now. And, and Michigan state's got to get to the point at some, you know, where they in the trenches can do what Michigan has, because that allows you to turn over year over year. That allows you to lose a Kenneth Walker or lose an Aiden Hutchinson and, and be better the next year because the, what you have up front and what you're recruiting up front is really, really solid. And that's where, you know, Chris talked about not having young guys yet um, that we're seeing. And we haven't seen the redshirt freshman group. And I, I think, like, I think people are talking about the big 10 football schedule for next year, which got released today and, and Michigan state schedule and good schedule, get your tickets, all this stuff. Like I tell you right now, I think next year is a harder year for MSU maybe than this year. And, until they build that lineup, it will remain so. And maybe we'll see some really young guys, true freshmen, once they get inside of four games less than the year, so you're not burning a red shirt. But um, right now, it, it, I would predict Michigan State to be in a real fight to get to a bowl game a year from now as well. All right, Chris? Well, that really jumped. <laughs> yeah. We... <laughs> hey, 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 here's this is... what's going to happen tomorrow <laughs> or on, on Saturday and – Let's look ahead to 2023. Graham has completely 86 the last four games of the year after this <laughs> yeah. one. So, well, if it if it is 42 to 14, we we might 86 the rest of the uh, <laughs> the rest of the season too. I mean, I, I've got 38 to 14, Michigan. I think this will be close for half, though. I, I think just the emotion that comes with this game, I think, is going to probably propel Michigan State early. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that I think that it's going to be a game where they're ever in it per se. Um, I, I, I mean, I think it could be like a 17 to seven game at halftime. Uh, 
but I think what Michigan has up front on both sides of the ball will allow them to to kind of do what Minnesota did and push Michigan State around, control the clock, um, dominate in the run game, squelch Michigan State's run game on the other end. So you you start seeing, you know, as that as the game progresses, the and the emotion wears off, and the physical toll of of the of the lines on both sides for Michigan state start getting worn down. Then I think you could see like a 21, nothing second half for Michigan where they kind of just do what they did to Penn state and just put it away, put it on ice, but never really be in doubt in this one. Um, and, and, you know, from Michigan State's standpoint, I think the first, the biggest thing you need to do is be competitive. I mean, that's why I said about early in the game, you have to come out fast past and Jacoby women talked about this too. Um, you have to show that you're able to trade punches um, to stay in it even for a half. Um, I, I just don't know, particularly like we mentioned up up front on the lines, I just don't know if they have the the bovine to get it done. Not so much the horses, but the guys that, that are, are plowing the fields. <laughs> the cojones to get it done. Uh, I'm kind of with you guys. I'm going to make it a little closer uh, just for just for fun, I'm gonna say 35 to 19, uh, Michigan. I I'm kind of with Chris, and I think it'll be close for a half, and then the Wolverines kind of maybe pull away in the second half. And uh, I don't have anything to add other than that that you guys haven't already said. All right, guys, it is it is officially game day for the Spartan Speak podcast. Uh, how excited are you guys for Saturday? Ready to get this uh, get this done and dusted? I've been so ready for this game to play for about three or four days now. Um, just with you know, it it this is the game that brings out the passion. We'll call it passion of the two fan bases, even though it becomes repetitive and droll and the same talking points and sometimes sophomoric uh, on both sides. Um, we'll call it passion. I think. I mean, I, I but I'm at a point now where, particularly with that extra week, it's just like I want to see a football game. I want to see a good football game. Um, We'll see if it is a good football game, but I want to just see a football game already. Enough of the talking. All right. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Spartan Speak, a production of the Lansing State Journal, Detroit Free Press, and the USA Today Network. If you enjoy this podcast and the work surrounding it, please consider subscribing. You can follow our coverage at lsj.com, freep.com, and on Twitter at Chris Solari, at Graham underscore couch, at Phil underscore friend, and at LSJ Green White. Thanks for listening. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.